Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the first episode of The Kid Stays in the Podcast, a cross-generational discussion about movies. Uh, I will be your host, Trey Cooper, and joining me will be my co-pilot, Solomon Cooper, or Captain Solo, as he hates to be called. Uh, so just wanted to give you guys a little bit of uh, you know background on uh, who we are, let you know who you're going to be listening to, who's going to be giving you your movie tips moving forward. Um, I went to film school in Vancouver, Canada, at what feels like about a billion years ago, focused on screenwriting and cinematography. Um, and then from there, I joined the Air Force as a uh, broadcast journalist and spent uh, many, many years doing morning radio and editing together commercials, putting together news stories. Um, so think of a much more boring version of the character Robin Williams played in Good Morning Vietnam, and that was pretty much what my job was. Um, but I've been obviously fascinated by by film since I was really, really young. I grew up, um, n- no exaggeration, uh, in the in the jungles of, of Peru and in the Andes Mountains, and not a lot of contact with with the outside world other than old uh, cassette tapes that um, my grandmother and other missionary kids' grandmothers would send us. And it was just reels and reels of uh, Turner classic movies. So um, by the time I got to film school, I I didn't know anything about what was going on in um, pop culture or, uh, you know, in current movies because all I had watched was uh, was uh, old Humphrey Bogart movies, you know, old uh, Cary Grant movies, and that that kind of started me down the path uh, that uh, well led me to you talking to you today, um, and yeah, some of the some of the kind of stuff that I've been interested in movie wise, a um, lot of genre stuff, you know, got started with. Science fiction, I remember, they, I think, like probably a lot of folks, you know, Star Wars is one of my earliest memories, um, even though I was, you know, born, I think, uh, I think 
all the Star Wars movies had come out by the time that I was born. But it's still like the first movie I remember ever seeing. Um, and then from there, got really interested in like, you know, noir and pretty much if it was if it was a genre, um, a genre piece, I was interested in it. And um, I'm trying to think, I think the very first, uh, what I would consider, quote unquote, serious movie is kind of embarrassing at this point to admit, but was uh, American Beauty. And I remember watching that and just kind of being blown away at what uh, cinema could be like, just because I was so into just, you know, horror and sci-fi and stuff like that at the time. So... Yeah. Anyway, that's a that's a little bit about me, uh, Solomon. What kind of stuff? What kind of movies are you interested in? How did you get into movies? What's some of your What's some of your background? Um, well, I first got into movies by you, obviously. <laughs> um, so I was I've been watching movies for a long time. You know, starting to as I grew up, I started to appreciate them more. And uh, very, as you grew up into the strapping adult that you are now. Oh yes, such a grown <laughs> man I am. <laughs> Um, yeah, as I grew up, started, like I said, appreciating the more. I don't know why I'm repeating myself. But then very recently I went to school in New York and I did a class, photography class. And it really made me start appreciating the cinematography in movies. Yeah. Like I can actually start to like recognize this is a beautiful shot and I'm loving that. Right. And they taught you like composition, like the rule of thirds, things like that. Yeah, exactly. So it's been really fun watching movies again being like wow that's beautiful um but yeah that's definitely something that has helped me watch movies i guess and have more of a wow that's great yeah um if you had to put your top you know five movies or top five movies by genre or whatever not gonna give you a rigid structure um i think there's only three that i can think of off the top of my head um, my favorite movie of all time is Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, just because it's so, like, video game movie, and it's just I, combining two of my, like, favorite things. Oh, so you're a gamer? Very much. Very hard gamer. See how I said that? Like, I had no idea, and, like, I don't watch you playing video games all the time? Yes. Yeah. Classic nice. interview technique. Nice acting. <laughs> Um, Are you a fan of Edgar Wright's other stuff or just uh, Scott Pilgrim? Um, I love a lot of his other movies. Uh, what's that one movie? The they, they do a bar crawl. Oh, into the uh, World's End. Yeah, World's End. That's one of my one. Uh, I really love that movie. I'm not saying it's going to be one of my favorites, and it's not going to be on the list. But um, I think I think we saw at World's End on opening night at Alamo Draft House in in Dallas. I think that was one of the last Alamo movies that we that we saw before we moved to New York. Really? I think so, yeah. That's we, awesome. we, yeah. And we got the, they gave us that little map. Yeah. From the movie. I remember yeah. that. Um, I think my other two movies are going to be Halloween, and it's like my, one of my favorite horror movies. Um, that one just specifically stands out. All the other ones I can't really say are my favorite, although I do love The Conjuring and that series and all the spinoffs. There's a lot of Halloween movies. Are you talking about the reboot? Or are you the talking first about the, one. So the original. Yes. The OG. The original. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you see the, the, the it wasn't a reboot, but like the sequel that they did with? Um, no, I have not. You didn't see it? I don't think so. I thought we saw it together, but I could be wrong. No, because I think you've wanted me to watch it and I just haven't. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, what was my other one? 
can't believe I forgot it. <laughs> should have should have written it down. You forgot you forgot your your third favorite movie of all time. Yes. Um, was I it the one? Was it the one with the robot? I was gonna say I remembered it, but thank you. <laughs> it's Chappie. Um, and the main reason I think it is my favorite movie is because um, I I've always said it was my favorite movie until I rewatched Scott Pilgrim and I was like, this is my favorite movie. I don't know why I've been lying to myself. Um. <laughs> But Chappie was just so good, and you guys have probably seen it. If you haven't, that sucks. It's been out for like six years. Based on its box office performance, I would say they probably haven't seen it. Well, you know what, guys? <laughs> you should watch it. Uh, coming from the 14-year-old, you should take my opinion. Hey, I, I thought Chappie is, is vastly underrated. Um, I agree. So. Yeah, that movie made me cry twice. It was just so genius. Um, I don't know if I should tell you. You know? I mean, it's been out for many years, so just give a spoiler alert if you're going to be doing any spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, There is a scene where this robot just, like, walks up to this group of people, and everyone's, like, freaked out by him and think he's, like, so crazy or weird or something. I don't know exactly what it was or why they did it, but they just started throwing, like, Molotovs at him and rocks at him. And he was like, why are you doing this? Please, stop, stop. Yeah. And it made me cry very big tears. Because <laughs> I was like, why are you doing this to this poor robot? And I could not handle it at all. And it's also a very beautiful scene, looking back on it now. Yeah, I mean, I'm a sucker for robot movies in general. Um, and while I could understand some of the criticisms with Chappie, that it was a little bit, you know, too dramatic for a movie that's essentially a you know kind of a boy and his robot movie. Um, you know, it's rated R. It has some pretty gruesome violence in it towards the end, um, but it was kind of tailor made for me as well. I, I was a I was a big fan of it, but sadly wasn't able to get too many people oh, into the theater. Watching that, yeah. yeah. Uh, Reminds. Did you ever see um, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow? That does not sound familiar to me at all. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I was in film school, I uh, I was so excited about that movie, and I was able, I got a little posse of people together, and we walked out of the movie theater, and I was just like, that, this is my favorite movie right now, and everybody else was like, what the crap did we just watch? I cannot believe you made us <laughs> go, go see this. That's awesome. Um, what do you say, like uh, science fiction? You like any science fiction stuff? Um, I mean, some science fiction books, and I don't even read very much, just, I can't, I don't know why, I just cannot think of a single science fiction movie that exists. Oh, really? You've never seen a Star War or anything like that? That's true. I don't know why that <laughs> didn't pop in my head immediately. Um, I do love Star Wars. Star Wars is wonderful. I love that whole series, the whole thing completely, just the shows, the movies, the spinoff movies, everything about it. I know we're going to be talking about uh, the Bad Batch, and we'll probably be talking about the Bad Batch weekly as the episodes as the episodes drop. Um, and you know, for folks not familiar, that Bad Batch is now the new animated Star Wars show. It's a spinoff of Clone Wars, the Clone Wars, right? And and Rebels. Um, did you watch those shows when they were coming out? I, I, it's hard for me to remember how I ended up getting into them. I never planned to watch the animated shows. It didn't seem interesting to me. When did you start watching that? I know that I wasn't the person who really got you into that initially. So what happened was is I had first watched it 
Rebels um, when it was coming out, but it was with some one of our friends, and I was not paying attention at all. Okay. So what ended up happening is that like a few years or like two years ago, I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. um, we that we were watching a movie, we were watching Star Wars, and we were like, we need to watch the prequels, and we started watching the prequels, and then we watched the Clone Wars movie. And they're like, we should watch the Clone Wars show, and because it's really good. But there's, and I was like, I walk, looked at it, and I was like, there's way too many episodes for this. Yeah, because it, it has a normal run season at the beginning, right? Like a normal, you know, or a traditional twenty four episode yeah. season arcs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's so many, and there's like seven seasons, or yeah, seven seasons before. And um, yeah, then the new season got announced, so we we're like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do it. We're just gonna watch it. And then we just found a list, which I would recommend, so you can get into it. We found a list of all the episodes you should watch. And um, then you could watch all the important episodes that lead to the story, so you can watch the newest season. And then you'll probably love the show by then. And then you can go back and watch all the episodes you skipped. Right. And, you know, uh, hopefully we can put the, the, the link to the list in the show notes because... For folks that are interested in getting into the Bad Batch or, you know, you really like Star Wars, but you just didn't think you were going to be able to get into the the animated series. And kind of understandably, Clone Wars, especially in the early seasons, has quite a few filler episodes that are kind of just cutesy episodes about, you know, what was R2-D2 doing today, you know, and yeah. things like that. Um, so there is somebody has put together a list of, uh, of essential episodes to watch each season. And um, and in which order? And in which order? Yeah, and it is yeah, it's very helpful just to kind of push yourself through that. Yeah. Um. So, not to start a fight that's been beaten down into the ground, but as somebody from you know a younger generation, how do you feel about the Star Wars prequels? <laughs> okay, so. I like all of them are blurred together in my head right now. I love, I'm pretty sure I like one of them or love one of them. And that's the one with the, with dual fates, dual of the fates. So that, you that love, score. you love the Phantom Menace. Is that the, which, what number is that actually? What episode is that? That's episode one. Oh my God. Is it really? <laughs> you sound like such a hardcore Star Wars fan right now. Um, I really like the Phantom Menace. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to say I love it. I feel like hey, I. Hey, you can. This is not a trick. I know. Question. I'm not saying it is. I'm just thinking about it because maybe maybe it's just because I'm bandwagoning with random people. Yeah. I do remember loving that movie. I thought it was very fun. Yeah. And the Duel of the Fates is like a classic thing everywhere. And once I actually finally listened to that and watched that scene, it was very beautiful. I mean, if it wasn't for the Phantom Menace, then you wouldn't get to hear me saying. Now this is pod racing about everything. So That's true. it gave you that annoying dad joke. Exactly. So so happy about that. Um, and then and also Darth Maul has huge character arcs in other shows. Yeah. Rebels, you should watch it. <laughs> um So and I also the is it is it the third episode where Anakin becomes Darth Vader? Oh, you didn't say spoiler alert, and now people know. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> you've, you've ruined the movie. The 26 years. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that's episode three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved that. It's crazy. It's just genius. Oh, sorry. I just had to just say 
how amazing everything about the series and you know if you call everything genius people aren't going to believe your geniuses anymore that's true but i'm just going to let you know star wars is genius and the people like now like dave filoni and john favreau they make it even better and please go watch all the shows and movies <laughs> uh, i remember actually when i first watched episode three with you and you were really young maybe six years old and you like stood up off the couch and were like screaming at the tv and you were crying whenever uh, Anakin goes and he's killing the younglings. Oh, dude. We Whenever we most recently watched it, I did cry. <laughs> oh, again. I genuinely, whenever that little kid was like, hello, Master Anakin, or whatever he said, I was like, oh, my God, that's the worst. <laughs> I, I'm very emotional, by the way, people. <laughs> well, um... Yeah, look, I, I uh, nobody cares about uh, my opinion about the prequels. Everybody knows kind of what uh, folks of uh, my age and generation think about them. I, I tend to be a lot kinder towards them than than most folks, um, especially Episode 3. Duel of Fates is, is fantastic. Um, but Episode 2, I think, is is kind of an irredeemable movie. It's, it's ugly. The CGI is terrible. They shot it digitally before digital was really ready. Oh, isn't Episode 2 Attack with the Clones? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, the movie. And introduce the clones, and they're all CGI, and there's, like, nothing happens the entire movie. That was really sad, considering that movie is what caused the Clone Wars show. Right. Like, everything that takes place in the show is between Episode 2 and 3. Yeah, that's very disappointing. Yeah, what they chose to focus on. Yep. Yeah. Because wasn't that movie like half politics? Yeah, a huge amount of stuff like going on in the Senate and. Oh my god. Yeah, and then it, and it's so much, so much bad CGI. Um, yeah. And then one of the most egregious things that it does is it just turns C three PO into the most heinous walking sight gag. It just. It, I was humiliated for him, and he's a fake <laughs> robot, you know. And he already does get humiliated. He's like, "Oh me!" Yeah, I, I remember when his, his like, there's one part where his his head gets detached, and so R two D two goes and like picks it up, and then he's like pulling it behind him on a string, and C three PO is like, "This is such a drag," and my eyes could not have rolled harder. <laughs> That's a genius joke. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Take my geniuses serious, please. please All right. Guys. Well, I think we we could rabbit trail into Star Wars, uh, you know, for hours and hours. But we should probably get on to the movie that we are talking about today, which is A Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah. But real fast, can I say <laughs> one thing? Sure. <laughs> can I say one thing? The funniest scene. I don't know why it was so funny in, in Attack of the Clones to me, but that's the scene where they're all there's like a like. 20 Jedi oh, all yeah. running around with like a million lightsabers. Right. I remember laughing really hard at the scene. I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen because it's just a basically a million glow sticks right. all slapping things. And I thought it was very funny. And I just wanted to add that to why you should watch the movie. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> now people can know what to expect from this podcast. There will be digressions. We are going to go off topic. It will happen often. Welcome to A Kid Stays in the Podcast and our review of A Quiet Place Part 2. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today we're going to be discussing a movie that is very, very exciting to me. It's one I've been looking forward to. It was delayed by uh, almost a year. And that is, of course, the sequel to John Krasinski's, in my humble opinion, masterpiece, A Quiet Place. Uh, Solomon, I know that we saw The Quiet Place, the first movie in the theater, a couple of times. Do you mind just kind of recapping for the audience that didn't see it? Mild spoilers to follow. Actually, full spoilers for A Quiet Place 1. It did come out three years ago. You had a lot of time to watch it. Um, yeah, basically what happened was is it, sets, it starts us off showing us like what has been happening, and it shows us that there's something has happened to the world. And everyone's dead. It's like a, kind of like a wasteland right now. So in a post-apocalyptic setting. Yeah, exactly. And um, they, we see that they're barefooted. They're walking on like sand paths. And there's this, this very beautiful... By there, you mean the central family. This movie really focuses on one central family, right? Yeah. Um, but it starts us off showing us like this, this five people or the family walking on this sand path that they made barefooted. And this little kid's playing with the toy. And then the first scene is he gets, uh, one of his toys goes off and a ginormous, crazy monster that nothing I've seen, like, it's beautifully designed, might I add. And um, just snatches that kid dead instantly, just in that first scene. And it's honestly amazing. And that's where we really get to see what John Krasinski's going to be doing with sound design in this movie. Most of the scene plays out um, in complete silence. The uh, Their oldest daughter is is deaf, so the entire family knows sign language. It's kind of implied that this is the reason why they've been able to survive for so long. Um, so yeah, just a, just a constant rationing up of tension. And I know that, uh, like I said, it was one of my favorite movies. Solomon, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of your favorite movies that year as well. Yeah, I loved it. I definitely had a wonderful time watching it. Yeah, so uh, like I said, full spoilers for A Quiet Place 1. That movie ends with the uh, death of John Krasinski's character, the dad, um, who kind of up to that point was was our main protagonist. Um, and uh, everybody wondered what they could do for A Quiet Place 2. I know John had said that he wasn't going to do A Quiet Place 2. But when you make, I think it was something like $370 million on a $17 million budget, uh, studios just don't take no for an answer. So John agreed to come back on and uh, do a sequel. And I can say that uh, we're all very, very glad that he did that. He, he figured out a way to kind of push this story forward um, with A Quiet Place too. So now that we set that up, uh, just diving right in to the movie, um, you know, let's not bury the lead here. I thought A Quiet Place too. Uh, was fantastic. One of the rare sequels that, if, if it doesn't improve on the original, it kind of like Aliens, you know, it definitely changes the genre a little bit and it makes the movie bigger. Uh, just really quickly, Solomon, what, did, what were your overall thoughts of Quiet Place 2 before we get into like the nitty gritty? Honestly, I thought it was astonishing. I was so surprised how good a sequel could be based on how bad other sequels could be. Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm honestly so happy that he did come back 
because it was great, and I loved every second of it. It did get kind of slow in the middle, but that... We disagree on that, but we'll discuss that later. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think it was wonderful. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't agree more other than the part where it gets slow in the middle. I didn't think that there's ever any slow parts in the movie. But, uh, yeah, this movie basically it starts off as a, as, uh, a, with a prologue that goes back to day one of this alien invasion. And it takes place in this perfect, very Spielbergian, uh, Americana, Little League game scene. And um, A, it allowed them to bring Krasinski back in as his character, um, Lee, and it also just allowed you to watch the world fall apart from the point of view of this tiny little town, as well as introducing uh, the new character for this movie, Cillian Murphy's um, Emmett. And uh, yeah, it is a constant work of ratcheting up the tension just in this scene. Krasinski uses a lot of really great long shots uh, so you can really watch the action unfold. Um, Great scene that's in this is not a spoiler, it's in the trailers where Emily Blunt has to, you know, drive backwards while a bus is driving towards her with a giant alien crawling out of the front of it. A scene that, by the way, Krasinski said uh, he was actually afraid that he was putting his marriage in jeopardy because Emily Blunt really did have to drive that car backwards at 40 miles an hour while a bus is driving towards her at 40 miles an hour. Um, I thought that was a fun anecdote. But yeah, just a great opening scene. And from there, we cut directly to, I would say Solomon was like like five seconds after the conclusion of the first movie, right? Yeah, like right after, like they literally have a shotgun in their hands. Yeah. Yeah, so it takes place, the actual plot of the movie takes place like five seconds after the, the ending of the first movie. And then, yeah, it's basically this this family, the whole first movie takes place on a farm and it's just them trying to protect their farm um, while the mom is, you know, giving birth to a baby and they have all these things going on. And the second movie just kind of ex- expands that world. They have to leave the farm now. They're having to go into the world. And we haven't seen what the world is like up until this point. And I would say that uh, not a very friendly place, the the world after the alien invasion. Um, I know that, Solomon, you were saying that you you got some pretty heavy vibes of some other, other genre stuff. Uh, Yeah, they had definitely a... Very good connection, the uh, Cillian Murphy and uh, I think her name was Millie. Millicent, the, yeah. Yeah, Millicent, the girl. Um, it was a very, like, really amazingly well done connection, and it definitely gave me some hardcore uh, Last of Us vibes uh, for all you gamers who recognize what that title is. Yeah, Last of Us uh, is also kind of a post-apocalyptic uh, setting, and yeah, I would say very similar for those people who aren't familiar with it. Um you know, you have kind of a gruff uh, protagonist who's kind of an anti-hero type, kind of forced into being a good guy and accompanying this this uh, girl across a, you know, it's not run over by aliens, but a, a country that's been overrun by essentially mushroom zombies. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they are. Yeah, so, um, you know, just to kind of go back to what Solomon was saying, you know, the, the movie kind of ends up, in, and I would say, I wouldn't say it's a, a huge criticism, but it it was something that I missed from the first movie where the family's almost always together in some way. This movie really splits the team up. Um, so you have the, the oldest daughter. Um, uh, she ends up kind of going on her own mission. Uh, and then the mom um, and the son uh, played by, is it Juno Knapp? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, 
they end up kind of holed up in in a kind of a bunker thing in a warehouse. Uh, looks like an old grain silo, and um, they did a pretty great job job of cross cutting, you know, and keeping the tension constantly, ramping the tension up. Um, during the, the middle part that Solomon felt like was slow, I was about to have a nervous breakdown because uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but th- that scene is just getting so tense, uh, watching everything possible go wrong for both different groups of people. Um, yeah, so that's that's a that's the it's a it's a very simple plot, just like the first one was, you know, and uh, this time it's just like I said, it's expanded, and whenever they do start meeting people. Uh, from the outside world, um, yeah, they're they're not they're not very friendly folks. And I I mean we've we've all seen a lot of uh, post apocalyptic movies from you know watching Mad Max to playing Fallout. The, the people that are left after the apocalypse, um, they they did not embrace human kindness and and dignity in any way. Yeah, definitely. The types of people definitely do vary. Um, there's either those kind people who are like it's like kind of like a purge type thing so right. you can have the people that are trying to save save other people from the crazy people trying to murder everyone just because they want to and then you have the murderers right so it's actually really neat and kind of classic also yeah yeah and he, he's playing into tropes i mean I, I think one of my friends said that he hasn't seen a movie that was this spielbergy you know since spielberg uh and that's really true there's a very strong spielberg vibe here um, Krasinski and his cinematographer Polly Morgan, they just did an absolutely astonishing job of just capturing that Americana and if, if you can capture that and then you can capture it in ruins, it just really sells uh, how devastated you know the world has been and it connects the world to you know where you and I live and that's another thing and that I wanted to just quickly touch on is for a movie that's about giant aliens uh, you know, kind of taking over the planet the, the performances in this movie are, are astonishing. Um, Emily Blunt is absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, credit to John Krasinski. I can imagine it's not always easy, you know, directing your, your own spouse. But it made the chemistry in the first movie um, a standout. But her performance in this is, is fantastic. Uh, like Solomon said, Millicent Simmons, uh, she is absolutely fantastic this movie as well she's an actual deaf actress and she kind of takes would you say like the spotlight in this movie uh yeah definitely it's a definitely shared spotlight with cillian murphy yeah cillian murphy is uh, also great as as abbott um john krasinski's not in the movie a lot uh very nice of him to step aside and kind of let everybody else uh, take the reins but yeah you just wouldn't expect for a movie like this to be a, a character piece and it and it really really is um, was there any favorite performance of yours? Um, I don't really know. I just, I think I'm just going to go back to Cillian Murphy and Millicent. I just loved, like I said, how much chemistry there was between that. And I have a lot of uh, love for The Last of Us games. Um, so just them being so tightly close and how they slowly just had to bond and it, a trust had to be formed. And him having to learn how to, like, talk to her while she's deaf and right. he doesn't know sign language because he didn't grow up with those people. Yeah. So I just loved them trying to figure out what they're supposed to do and how they're going to communicate. 
because it's it's just so I don't I don't even know how to describe it. I just loved it so much. Yeah, I, I agree. It was really great. And sorry we're being so vague, but really don't want to spoil any of the, the twists and turns of this movie. You know, maybe at a later date, if you guys want us to, we can, you know, go back and do a deep dive, full spoiler discussion of Last of Us 2, uh, Last of Us 2, <laughs> Quiet Place 2. Oh, we could also do Last of Us 2. Yeah, that'd be Happy great. Happy to do that. But of A Quiet Place 2. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that we can leave it that. I would say that for me, I would give A Quiet Place 2 uh, four out of five staplers encased in jello, another masterpiece by Jim Halpert. Yeah, I definitely could agree with that. Maybe I'll give it maybe seven and a half out of ten staplers taken. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, before we wrap up, I uh, just kind of want to discuss, you know, anything that we're watching right now. Was anything that you're watching that you want to kind of discuss? Maybe we can discuss, you know, weekly discuss with whatever our fans want to listen to? Uh, I'm not watching too much. I'm watching The Bad Batch uh, with Great. you. Great, yeah. Um, and then there is some animes I'm watching. Uh, what are your top three animes you're watching right now? Top, th- well, I'm, I'm only watching two right now, currently, that okay, are coming Okay, top out. two. <laughs> uh, I'm watching Don't Toy With Me, Miss Nagatoro, and that's pretty fun. It's not what it sounds like at all. It's, yeah, whatever. I can explain it later if y'all want. And um, after getting rejected, I shaved and took in a high school runaway. That's the name of the anime? That's the name of the anime. I kid you not. (laughs) Oh, God. The names are too much, but they're pretty fun. Well, yeah, I've been watching The Bad Batch as well. It's really great if you're a fan of Clone Wars or Rebels. And honestly, I have a lot of folks that uh, didn't feel like they had the time commitment to get into Clone Wars or Rebels because there's a lot of episodes, even though I strongly recommend it if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, but Bad Batch is great. A lot of people are, uh, like I said, d- diving into this universe for the first time. Not Star Wars universe, but, you know, the Clone Wars uh, animated universe. And uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't hurt that, you know, the lead is basically Space Rambo. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great show. I highly recommend it and, uh, definitely look forward to discussing as it move as we continue. There's not a, a ton of plot discussion to go into right now because they haven't really, I don't know if they've not, I wouldn't say they haven't figured it out yet, but they definitely haven't tipped their hand to us on what the plot of the show is going to be. Um, and other than that, I watched, um, I watched Bo Burnham's new special on Netflix, uh, inside, um, this it was astonishing. I mean, he, he he shot this, directed this, and edited it all by himself during the pandemic in, in one room. Um, and with the blessing of millions of dollars of high-tech equipment, it just looked stunning. Um, I know that you're a fan of Bo Burnham's for a long time. How do you think this one ranked up with his other ones? Honestly, I think it... I don't really remember uh, one of them, which is Make Happy. So I, I don't feel like it was very memorable. So I think number one is his first special. I don't quite remember what that was called. What I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then I'll definitely put Inside as the second one, and then Make Happy as a third. But I thought it was truly like a work of art. It was, it was like genius. He, like, like he said, um, he made it all, shot it all in one room. The cinemato- cinematography was excellent and it was genuinely funny i found myself laughing and almost crying several times yeah and uh while i'm sure most of us are sick of you know references to the pandemic at this point it really did a great job of chronicling uh what that was like right the very beginning it's a lot of jokes you know making a lot of jokes about it 
uh, about being stuck inside. And, you know, I think a lot of us felt like that, like, oh, oh, we don't have to go into the office and it's kind of funny or whatever. But then as it goes on, it's like slow descent into madness. Um, by the end, it, you don't even know if you're watching a comedy show or, or not, but um, uh, it was really great. Well, I think that's our show for today. Uh, make sure that you drop us a line with anything that you'd like us to watch, anything you'd like us to review or talk about. And, uh, well, we'll do it if we feel like it. Talk soon. Yeah. Bye-bye. Make sure you subscribe. Follow us on Kids Stays in the Picture on Instagram or follow us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.